0: Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello and welcome to episode 52. 52! That's a year! Happy birthday to you. No, stop it, Nathan. You'll kill them all. Um, yeah, it's a year, whole year since we started this thing. Thanks to David Wormsley for sticking with me during this whole episode. And thanks to everybody who's listened, even to one second of one episode. I'm so pleased that we've got some kind of an audience. It's remarkable. Anyway, this is episode 52, which is all about getting paid more by Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver's from You Gurus, and you'll find out more about him later It was published on the 16th of November, 2017. Please head over to wpbuilds.com and click the buttons underneath the podcast player, because that way you can share things on iTunes and give us a five-star review. Give us a 42-star review if it's possible. I doubt it. Also, over at wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook, you can join our Facebook group, forward slash subscribe to join our mailing list, and forward slash advertise if you would like to advertise on the podcast. Also at WPBuilds.com forward slash win, you can find out about the latest competition. And at the moment, we've got one competition going for a few more days to win a license to the Page Builder Framework Premium Add-ons plugin, which is utterly fantastic. Thanks for their their prize. It means a lot. So yeah, today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the new podcast format because instead of just going to news, guest and finish, we're splitting up into four sections from now on. We're gonna do news, nothing's changed. David and I are gonna have a discussion, a short discussion, that's new. Then we're gonna have an interview which will be a bit shorter and sometimes split over two episodes, that's new. And then finally, we've got this thing which I'm tentatively calling the ending facts, but it might not be called that going forwards anyway. So there's four sections now and hopefully you'll get accustomed to that and enjoy it. If not, you know, sling me an email with nasty words in it and I shall take full notice of it. Right, five news items for us today. And the first one is a news item about a new course actually launched by a friend of mine called Dave Foy, who I met last weekend at the Word Camp in Manchester. Um, And it's called No Stress WP. And the course is aimed at people who are non-coders, who sort of continually get stuck with things in WordPress, meet challenges that that they, they found a little bit insurmountable. They're perhaps good with a page builder, but they're, they're confused by some of the more difficult parts of WordPress. Well, this course is aimed squarely at you. It's launching today. he has got a holding page up there at this exact moment, but by the time this podcast goes live, it should be ready to, to sort of take some submissions. I can only say that Dave is a an amazing creator of video content. He really sweats the details and puts an awful lot of time into every minute. So. I can only imagine that this is going to be um, a top quality course. So there's one for you. And I hope I hope um, some of our audience um, find their way to it. Next up, WordPress 4.9. What can we say? It's called Tipton after William Lee Tipton. Uh, You can schedule things in the customizer now. That's really cool. You can do syntax highlighting and error checking, which has all been added into the code highlighter using the code mirror library. There's a new core gallery widget, uh, which supports short codes and embedded media in the text area. This is all coming straight from the WP Tavern website. It's in um, the new section, I think 4.9 obviously is rolling out. Most of my sites have now updated themselves automatically. I hope yours did too. Go and check it out, some nice new features. Um, the next one is also from the WP Tavern and it's about the fact that the wp spam Shield plugin has been removed from the WordPress.org repository because two rival plugin developers have had a bit of a fight. It's great, it's got all the markings of like a soap opera. They've decided that it, it part of their code, they would bar the other person's plugin from working correctly, <laughs> it's great churlish behavior. And so after a sort of repeated back and forward warnings, it would appear that the WP you know, the WordPress.org repository folks have actually finally decided to pull the trigger and pull it out. And he's gone away, the plugin author, and he's decided to have his own suite of plugins. I think he's got seven of them hosted on his own infrastructure from now on. But it's an interesting story, anyway. The next one comes from WooCommerce. And whilst I don't use WooCommerce a lot, there is clearly a lot of work to be done to make it work with Gutenberg. I wonder if I'll be able to get through a new section in the next year without saying the word Gottenberg. Um, And it's all about their efforts to make it work because it's complicated and rendering the complicated display of a WooCommerce product is hard, but they're doing a great job by the looks of it. Go and read the article and see what they're doing to make it work. Now, speaking of Gottenberg, Gutenberg 1.7 has recently been released, and it adds multi-block transform functionality. It drops the iframe implementation of metaboxes, so all the metaboxes previously were implemented using iframes, and that had some Um, some problems associated with it. So they've dropped that. Um, I guess it's gone over to, you know, normal HTML. But um, also they've added this multi-block transform functionality. So let's say that you've got um, one block of one type. You can then automatically sort of highlight several of them and turn them into a different type. So um, let's have a think. So text might become an image or something like that, and you can do it all. That was probably a really bad example, actually. (laughs) Never mind. That's the sort of thing that you can do. Um, and yeah, that's also on the WP Tavern. Um, Envato, cough. I don't really use Envato anymore, but they have this thing called Envato Elements, which is a monthly or a yearly fee, Where and they've now thrown in a whole load of WordPress themes and plugins. I think it was all just to do with images previously, but now they've bundled loads of their top-selling themes and loads of their top-selling plugins. And if you use Envato and you use ThemeForest and CodeCanyon, um, maybe maybe there's something in this for you. Go check it out. It details how to do it. And lastly, the last news item is just a silly thing. A silly thing to celebrate our 52nd one-year episode. Go click the link and, ah, oh, the joy of Star Wars is all I'm going to say. So, yeah, we've done the news. Next comes the discussion. So I'm going to hand you over now to me and David for our very first little discussion I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast and let us know if the new format
1: sucks. <laughs> so here we are with our first discussion section. I'm quite looking forward to these, Nathan, because this is something new and it's a bit of a condensed version of what we've done when we've done our uh, chats together.
0: Yeah, I think the idea of these discussion sections is to be short and sweet, maybe mm. an, an aspirational target of 20 minutes, just talking over one point quickly, getting to the end and then uh, moving on to the end. To the interview or whatever it is that we're doing uh, during this week.
1: Yeah. And because it's the 50 second show, I picked an article out from the matepodcast.com, which is what I've learned from a year of podcasting. And as we've just done a year, we can take a look at that article. So you'll have the link, won't you, in the show notes for anyone wants to look at it. Yes. And the guy who runs this, whose name is Adam Jaffrey who's an Australian, and MATE stands for Marketing, Advertising, Technology, and Entrepreneurship. So that's what his podcast is about. But I thought we could talk over his 20 points very quickly and see how it uh, resonates with us. So the first one is, his is just get started. You'll learn as you go. So Yeah, I think mm. that's true. I think that's probably the, the, the... The, the takeaway lesson about
0: podcasting yes. is literally do that. Don't worry too much about the production quality. don't worry too much about the audience. Don't worry too much about the website. I mean our website's still awful um, <laughs> and we're a year on. We haven't literally haven't fiddled with it in a year. Um, so yeah, just just record something. Get your voice out. Listen to yourself. Become familiar with what your own voice sounds like, and just just get on with it. Um, because it's too easy to put it off to next week and next week, and then a year later, you're thinking, "Do you know what? I wish I'd started that."
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the way we started was really interesting because you chatted about the idea of doing this. This is, I mean, really, the podcast is yours. You do all the work on it, and you know it just i love the way it kind of kicked off you know we we just discussed it and said let oh let's just do it we'll just pick a time when we're free yeah and we just we just recorded something of interest to us and put down a few topics didn't we that we thought we'd be interested in yep and and press play and And there was no great plan um no
0: you know the idea was let's just see how this goes and i think we had a plan to do a couple and then take it from there um, yeah. And it's been going for a year, uh, but we've refined that a little bit, you know, you've been because of commitments been unable to come on every episode, and I've tended to migrate towards the interviews and things like that. but um yeah, we just started. we just drew a line in the sand. you interviewed me on a um on yeah. a beaver builder video, and that was where yeah. we got talking and then. I think I just said, "Yeah,
1: should we do a podcast?" Yeah. And you very quickly went, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> <laughs> which I wouldn't normally do, but yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of yeah. We were, yeah, we were on the same path, really, yeah, weren't we? With yeah, it, we yeah. Yeah, the same ideas. Second one, he puts in there, "You're going to suck," which, uh, which uh, I don't know. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I think just... we could have carried that sentence
0: on. You, you know, for us, it would probably say, "You're going to suck, comma forever." exclamation <laughs> <laughs> mark uh, yeah you know what if the if the if the thing that's stopping you from doing it is because you think you're going to suck just it doesn't matter um you know don't worry about the technicalities don't worry about the audio quality don't worry about the audience all those things i just said you, you, there's bound to be things that you screw up we have right from the beginning taken the approach to embrace the suckiness of the podcast and <laughs> you know celebrate the mediocrity of it um, mm. do the cheesy music make comedy of it if we screw something up we there's no way I'm going to go back and edit it out particularly I've done it once which I'll talk about later um, mm. possibly but mostly we <laughs> just keep recording it and I don't care if we suck it's
1: completely fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, do you know that's been the biggest thing for me I mean because when I've done my own content which is my own videos and that occasionally I don't do too much of it but I have edited out some of the stuff where I've stuffed up and we just don't do it here you set that as the the criteria for it if it's, yeah. if it's a bit waffly as yeah. I tend to be it well, goes in just, so-
0: just don't mind you know it's not important the mm. only thing that I do is very occasionally when we begin a podcast we'll stuff the beginning up so we'll then <laughs> go back and start right at the beginning or we might screw the ending up because you know there's like six people trying to say goodbye so they're the only bits <laughs> that I listen to very carefully when I edit the podcast mm. down I just listen to the beginning I listen to a few bits in the middle um, yeah. because I just want to make sure nobody's like ridiculously loud so that the levels are all about even but you yeah. know I, if we haven't stopped recording it halfway through, then I'm, I'm on, uh, working on the assumption that it, it's it's good enough.
1: Yeah. And his points, oh, well, three and four, we can kind of cover them together, which is um, prepare your shows before hitting record and get your show format right. I think, well, should we talk about our preparation? Hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. It, Do you want to go through how we
1: prepare it's... on a weekly basis for each show? Yeah, well, it's really just a Google document where we stick some ideas in, isn't it? So when you've had the guests, which is largely who you're interviewing, um, they've got an opportunity to put in some of the things and you can have a discussion with them. But for when it's you and I talking about subject generally, we just first we used to do it, didn't we? We started and we put a document Together And we'd put a lot of sort of bullet points about the things we were talking about and then still talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> and now we kind of like this one, we've just taken an article and we're really kind of winging it. Yeah, but I think that's okay.
0: You develop into that, don't you? I would imagine that people who do public speaking a lot would say the same you know the first few times that they did it they probably obsessed about the detail and wrote down every bullet point but it's like a pair of old shoes you sort of get into the rhythm of it and you get into you know you understand that you're not going to have run out of things to say and especially with the dynamic between me and you we genuinely could do this for like nine hours a day I think um and so we i don't feel the need and neither do you to write down every single fact but having said that where it's a more meaty thing where we both got to think we still do we still
1: do go go in and you you write a lot more than i do yeah and the format of the show i mean that's again what we're changing right now you know Mm -hmm. to try and sort of adjust to that i mean we've done it because we we haven't we never went with a format, did we? I mean, we kind of wandered into everything. You yes. Know, to kind of, once we got the weekly commitment sorted, which we didn't start with, <laughs> um, you know, it was necessary then to do interviewing.
0: Yeah, I think um, being able to 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 have a format would be great but we just didn't have one we started off that oh i thought oh, maybe it was you i can't remember um let's do a bit of wordpress news because that might be quite interesting mm. and then we we had all these different ideas and essentially it ended up just being then a then a discussion <laughs> and then that's it the podcast over we had some cheesy music at the end we had a, we have an intro which I recorded and whatnot, um, but then we just sort of thought, well, let's let's muck about with it a bit and make um, make it different. Now that we're at one year, so that's what we're doing now. We've chopped it up into smaller little sections. We've taken no feedback as to whether this is a good idea. It's just I think it's just you <laughs> wrote me a, an email and said, what about this? And I went, yeah, all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is pretty much the way we've gone. One, one of us has an idea. We run with it, don't yeah, we? That's how yeah, it's kind of exactly. worked out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is point five was conducting a good interview is hard work. Now, you might not think so, but I think you do a really good job at doing the interviews that you do. And I, for me, they are hard work. Unless I know that person and I know exactly what it is that they do, yes. I find it really difficult. I think um, I don't consider myself to be a good interviewer. What what I am,
0: I, I think I'm okay at filling up the gaps and asking the questions. I do think about what I'm going to say. So, for example, if we have a guest on, there, I will never not know what they do and what they're about mm. and what their, you know, their their take on WordPress is. So I won't go in cold. That would just be crazy. But, Mm -hmm. um, but I, so I do apply a bit of thought and I usually write down a dozen questions or 20 questions or something. And then as the interview goes, I'll sort of scribble them out um, and I'll be left with the other questions and then I try to, you know, um, steer it around, but I've always enjoyed talking to, to people and strangers. I've always enjoyed talking to strangers. So, um, Mm -hmm. whether I'm good at it or not, I don't necessarily agree, but it, it, it just, you can't do a WordPress podcast every week and just talk but it can't be just me and David we'd we'd have you know we just can't generate the ideas that quickly so an interview is a is a solid thing to do Um, probably Mm -hmm. one of the easiest things to to
1: generate entire episodes but yeah there we go yeah absolutely but it's point six and seven are kind of similar Um, podcasting is a huge commitment and creating great content is very time-consuming so yeah it is a commitment
0: yeah we we i mean we've become intelligent enough to realize that you don't have to do each episode each week and then release it that week we've now started to batch them and do two or three at a time or um, you know basically just record a bunch of them but it does take time there's no doubt about it now because our structure hasn't changed I've managed to shave that time probably in half because I'm now f- mm. much more familiar with the software I'm using and so on but it is it takes it, without a doubt it's four to five hours a week so it's it's a big part of a working day for me to mm. put it all together and if you're like, for example, I did a I did an interview with somebody the other day and I started that at 10 at night because mm. they were in North America and that was the time that they could fit in. So, you know, you have to juggle around a bit if you want to do it. Uh, otherwise, we'd only be talking to people in Europe. Likewise, some of our guests have been
1: very accommodating and, and all of that. But, it, it, yeah, it does take time. Um, but it, I think it's worth it. Yeah. I imagine you probably even underestimate that. I mean, yeah, uh, Adam who writes this article, he's saying 12 hours for him. But I think, you know, with all the... The, the sort of contact you need to have with guests and you and I, our mm. contact in between, mm. I, I'm sure it adds up to a bit more. Yeah, the actually, do you know what? I hadn't factored in all the emails
0: and all of the negotiating mm. the times with the guests because that's that is quite a thing, you know. You, you maybe have five or six emails going backwards and forwards about what time zone they can do. Uh, more recently, I've got a like a booking system on the website where people yeah. can go, but even that doesn't work. It only really works that the slots that I've put in are only f- suitable for Europeans. So I still end up in emails with, with people from all over the, the world, <laughs> um, just trying to fit,
1: a, fit them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the headlines here. So actually I, I haven't got the context for this one, but number eight was podcasting is a complicated project. And I, I don't mm. agree. I
0: think if you're, for us at least, I think it's straightforward mm. because we're, we build websites for a living. We understand what an RSS feed is. Um, mm. I, I think if you were coming at this and you'd never touched web development or you know done anything other than browse the internet, then yeah, it really would be. It would be a bit tricky connecting iTunes and getting all of that mm. authorized and getting the podcast player to work and upload the phone. Fa- yeah, I can see that. But for, from my perspective, it wasn't difficult, and I'm sure anybody
1: who's listening to this would find it trivially easy to do yes well it's very easy for me because you took care of most of the stuff so <laughs> um, i just needed to talk yes. um but yeah yeah I, I i disagree with that one actually because it takes you away from the just get started thing which i think you know is the the main key thing as we were saying yeah. but um he also goes on to nine uh, audio equipment is expensive again we're disagreeing i think aren't we yeah i think you could make it very expensive you know you could buy the latest road
0: mic and have all of the equipment and yeah. you know, make the room perfect and you know put put a soundproof room together and all that but my setup for the last mm. few weeks has involved me being in a tiny little room while the house is being redecorated i've got a mic which sits on the table next to me and my mac And then I use Audacity and I use Logic Pro as the video video uh, sorry the audio editing suite Audacity is completely free and would do all of it. I'm just familiar with the workflow in Logic, so I use that. That costs a bit of money, but um, no, my mic was seventy
1: quid I think on Amazon in a flash sale. Yeah. Mine is about 50 quid and it's yep. just an audio technica which I can carry around while I travel. So, yeah, really simple. Again, if you wanted um, it
0: to be perfect, you probably could spend mm-hmm. a fortune. Like we were talking uh, with yeah. Dave Toomey this week and he's padded out his office so that it's more soundproofed. I, I might do that at some point, but I haven't. But again, all of those little things make it sound better. Yeah. Um,
1: but we're far more rubbish than he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We used to do a bit of, um, I used to work in a recording studio, you know, we used All to right. have the cheap way of, yeah, the cheap way of doing that used to be um, egg boxes. Yes. You know, you used to get them like 30 and you could yes. stick those on the walls to break up the, yeah. yeah well, the that would do walls. it. Or the yeah. the really cheap way of doing it is to put a towel <laughs> over your head.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. That really genuinely
0: works. That really, really pads it out. And obviously, you've got to not wriggle too much. Otherwise, the mic scrapes against the towel. But that that really pads out the sound. I mean, I'm not going to go. If you can hear echoes in the background because my walls are shiny and
1: bereft of objects,
0: well, that's life.
1: (laughs) we're talking about my idea of putting it because i'm traveling and i can be in any location where there can be different types of noise or different room sizes yeah i was considering the cardboard box over my head where the mic has a hole <laughs> but i've been put off since you said don't bother with the hole david yeah yeah
0: yeah, oh, yes yeah, sorry <laughs> yeah stick the box over your head and just stay there um <laughs> we should
1: do a video podcast when you do that that would be really <laughs> cardboard box talking brilliant he uh, says, always uh, learn to use your equipment, um, which, oh yeah, uh, well, as is simple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> always have a backup recorder, which we don't do. Ha, ha, ha. No, we've
0: got no backup. If the audio screws up, I use eCam Skype recorder. So all of our podcasts are recorded directly from Skype. So David and I are on Skype at the minute. Um, and I think it was $29 um for a subscription it works on the mac i don't know if it's available for windows um and it records it in real time and if it fails it fails and there's no backup whatsoever and i don't honestly know how i would even go about doing that i could have multiple bits of software and but then i would require you to have multiple bits of software as well you'd have soft skype and and obviously if you're recording guests that's not necessarily going to work out so i don't know quite how you do yeah
1: We should have read the article properly, shouldn't we? (laughs) No, in context. But I I do, I I guess I understand because I've done some of my own Skype recordings with the video chats with people and I've had to back up with something else to do the recording on when Skype's been playing up. So I have done that in a way, but it's only if the signal's not going to be great that day, you know. Well, he says he uses his iPhone, but to me, Uh that would be a real
0: contrast in quality but then again we're not after quality so yeah we just don't do it and maybe one day we'll rue the day because the um you know it, it'll just
1: fail utterly and we'll be left with a blank a blank audio <laughs> file but it hasn't happened yet no uh well we covered this 12 which is choosing a location as important as your expensive gear but uh we we can't always do that and uh if we go to 13 it takes time to build an audience yeah, that's true. Um I To be honest with you, we don't really know
0: a great deal about the stats or anything like that. We just know how many people have listened to it. And even that is only mm. more recently have we got that kind of data. Um But I do know it's going up very slowly. It's basically a straight line graph and we add a, a, a few people each week. So there's been no sort of astronomical growth or tipping point. Um My guess is mm. that these things just do that and then... Somebody somewhere says something and Mm. they might be kind of, you know, influential or something and they, um, you know, they they swing it a little bit and then the graph goes in a slightly different direction. You know, you get more people, but uh, it does take time. We we, we get, you know, hundreds of people listening each week, uh, closer to a thousand, but it's taken a year to get there. Um, Yeah. And I'm not even sure that data is accurate, to be honest, Uh, but we don't have a technique for gathering it accurately either.
1: No. And, uh, you know, in some ways, I think this maybe came easy to us because it seemed reasonably popular from the first couple of episodes, only because of the fact that we we spent quite a lot of time in a few Facebook groups and had friends there, didn't we? So we yeah. had that support. Yeah. And, and we've, uh, we've stayed. Co- that's that's the core audience, isn't it? Still. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I think that's the thing. I, I, I've never done anything really where I've needed to build up an audience to know. I mean, it's a constant thing there, but I've only done these couple of things where, luckily, I guess we just pinch the audience that were already in a in a certain place anyway, and just say, "Come over to us, please." Yeah. And also, we're not <laughs> obsessing about that number,
0: you know, yeah. because neither yeah. of us are using the podcast as a revenue stream. Um. So it's just a thing we do. Whereas if it was yeah. your business, for example, or, you know, your job depended on these figures slowly creeping up, then it might be different. But it doesn't matter
1: to us. We've got, we've got the audience we've got, and that's lovely. Yeah. Number 14, consistency is key. Well, we've stuffed that up this week, haven't we?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we changed the format. But I wonder if it doesn't mean the format. I wonder if it means, you know, releasing it on a weekly schedule and sticking to that schedule or fortnightly yeah. or monthly um make sure you release it at the same time or same day each week that's what we do and i've just heard that that's wise so that's what we did but i've no idea if there's any truth in that but it feels to me like the right approach
1: yeah and we came in didn't we that we had two days that we were free—that were Wednesday and Thursday when we kicked it off. We had no thought about it; we just said we could give it a stab. On, and we, I think we did it first week on the Wednesday, and maybe even put it out on the Wednesday. And then the next week, I think something fell behind, and we said we'll do it on the Thursday. Yeah. So we realised that Thursday had to be our day because we had yeah. the possibility. That, and um, remarkably, we've stuck with it every week. We've
0: hit that—we've hit that—we've um, hit that target. We've got it out each and every week. I'm quite impressed with us, David
1: yeah i am yeah proud of it really (laughs) it's Um, one of the only things
0: genuinely it's one of the only things that i can absolutely hand on heart say i've stuck to this really without flagging um yeah there's there's, this i get you know i like the shiny new thing and this is not shiny and new anymore but i still really enjoy it
1: yeah yeah uh number 15 is well we don't do which is get help with production yeah, it's just us. But presumably, if you
0: pay people, they'll mix down your audio and make it sound more professional than than you could have done. But you know, we're not there. We're just what what it is is what it is. And
1: I do it on my Mac, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, it would be nice if we could add transcribes and that, but it's too expensive and something to do that, too time consuming. Yeah. You know, for accessibility and for SEO.
0: Yeah, you can go to rev.com and get $49 Mm. an hour or something. They'll transcribe your audio. But, you know, that's not what we're doing. We just write a a few Mm. little show notes to summarize what it is. And nobody's doing any keyword research
1: on any of that. We'd literally just write it and, and out it goes. And, you know, that's life. Yeah. Yeah, number 16 is podcast statistics suck. Well, we know that. Yeah, we just mentioned that. We don't really have great statistics. The one thing I would love for it to
0: be able to tell us is when people dropped off listening. So did they get two minutes mm. in? Did they get six minutes in? Did, did, did 5% of the people get to the very end? Um, we don't know, but that would be quite nice to know.
1: I'd like to know if people just go to the end to hear the cheesy music. Yeah, I think that's basically what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably all that people 90% of
0: everything is that, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is number 17 where statistics are not worth focusing on anyway? So I think that's probably true. We've got the statistics, so we can't focus on them. (laughs) (laughs) And 18, podcasting isn't going to make you rich. That is utterly true. Um,
0: I was talking earlier about there are i'm sure there's podcasts that do make their people rich like on tim ferris this week was a guy who travels the world uh, and podcasting has been doing it for 10 years or eight years or something and he, he makes a fantastic living seven figures but he's the exception mm. but also if you choose to go down the route of a wordpress podcast you've got a limited audience whereas travel is is just about everybody um, so the, the subject matter and the, the nature of your um, podcast mm. will, will you know, it, um, impact upon that. So if it's about horses, it might have um, a, a reach of such and such, whereas if it's about computer gaming, it's probably going to have a much bigger reach. Um, uh, but we don't yeah. we don't basically make any money from this at all. We've tried things. We put affiliate links in um, mm. and I've put a Stripe donate button which has never been used on the on the on the you know the side of the podcast episode and we've we've fiddled with advertising we've had five episodes or seven episodes i think advertised but you know that's all
1: swallowed up in the costs we've spent
0: more than we've earned shall we say
1: yeah, well, particularly for you because you're doing all of the time in there. You need to get something back for that time because it's quite a big, you know, section mm. of your life. I get lucky with this, so well, yeah, there we go. Here, that's <laughs> going to be the big plead. It's a very British yes. thing, though, isn't it? It's a very sort of British thing not to
0: um, not to mention money. But I know that a lot of other podcasts <laughs> they they talk about the sponsors quite a lot, um, and they you know blast you with adverts and things. And we, we've tried not to do that and. Who knows, maybe in the future we'll modify that a little bit. But right now, this
1: is where we're, this is what we've got. Yeah, yeah. Here's um, 19, is podcasting communities online are super helpful. Now, I know nothing about this. Yeah,
0: there are some Facebook groups particularly. Um, I think there's one called the Podcast Launch Group or something, which is what I'm a member of. And essentially... You can get all of your questions about podcasting answered if you go to Facebook and join the right groups. They'll tell you about the equipment, where to go to mm. find good plugins, where to go to find good hosting, and all of that. You can find it all online, and it's true helpful bunch uh, out to help
1: each other, yeah. I mean, the most uh, when I saw that, actually, I was just thinking of our own community and how helpful they are, because, you know, we, we wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for the people who support us. And, yeah. and, you know, particularly our Facebook group now and the people that are in there, you know, they're, they're our friends, aren't they? They're colleagues going through the same kind of things we are. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'd have no ideas without them. No, precisely. Our audience <laughs> yeah. is, is the only reason we do it, really. Yeah. Um, Going back to point eighteen, yeah.
0: it's certainly not, and I make you rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And his final point was have fun with it, which, well, that's it's been a giggle, hasn't it? Yeah, I
0: have genuinely enjoyed doing it. It's led me to meet some people that I never would have met otherwise. Um, it's yeah. just, I just really enjoy doing it. So going back right to the beginning about just get started, I can honestly say it's been worth it. Really, yeah. really worth it. It's the the one bit of my working week that I don't think, oh, really? You know, I mean, there are bits that I love, and but usually there's a bit in each yeah. day where you think, oh, but not this. I love doing this. And I'm going to add in number 21, which is we need to get uh-huh. better at keeping the clock, um, watching the clock, <laughs> because you and I have the capacity to talk for days.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. We've done this one, haven't we? We need to lead in smoothly to the interview that you did. With I think it's with Brent Weaver. Yeah, this is Don. So, okay, we're going to hand straight over now to an interview, which is
0: in two parts, um, with Brent Weaver from YouGurus. So I hope you enjoy it. Hello there. We have Brent Weaver with us today. Now, Brent's all the way from the United States of America, um, and he's representing his company, uh, YouGurus, which I'm sure you've heard of before. But um, hi there, Brent. How are you doing? I'm doing great Nathan thanks for having me on the show. You are very welcome. Now where
2: exactly are you at this point in time? Where do you live? <laughs> I live in Denver, Colorado <sighs> and I'm I'm working from home today so I'm <sighs> hanging out in my uh my
0: basement office. Denver, Colorado. I confess I have been to Denver. I went skiing near Denver once. Where did I go? I went to y- Black Oh, no. I can't remember. I went skiing not far from there and I thoroughly thoroughly love the part of the world where you live. I'm very
2: very jealous. Is that, um, is that a place that you grew up or? Uh, a little bit. So my dad actually was was born and raised in Colorado. So I spent uh, Thanksgivings and some winter months skiing and snowboarding here every year. Nice. And I uh, I moved here uh, when I went to college and just stayed. There are some really, really, really
0: lovely parts of the United States. And I think you found one of the better bits as far as I I remember it anyway. Anyway, we're not here to talk about skiing and Denver and things. We're here to talk about um, your your position in the WordPress web development web design space because you are I'm, I'm going to say founder um, you are certainly influential in I'm just going to say founder again of you gurus do you want to um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what yougurus.com is and what its purpose is
2: yeah, sure. So we're, we are a, a business accelerator, or you could think of us as a business school for web professionals and digital agencies. And typically I say kind of earlier stage or smaller companies that are between uh, one and 10 people is really our sweet spot. Most of them are doing, um, you know, they've been established a little bit uh, and they've, you know, been doing some work for clients, but they're not really satisfied with how much money they're making in their business, or they've got some frustrations around, you um, how much time they have available to spend on the things they really love doing in their business. And so we have a a 10-week program that kind of kickstarts them into the YouGurus ecosystem. And we focus on... Uh, their their overall marketing process, their sales methodology, as well as their project and operations of their business to help them seize bigger opportunities, get their time back, and take away that uncertainty of going it alone. That um, So it sounds to me, you know, we're
0: not talking about code. We're not making you a better developer. We're not talking about design skills or anything. We're focusing entirely on the business, turning the business into from something unprofitable, unsatisfying, into something um, lucrative and worthwhile. That kind of encapsulates it, I guess. Um, so so how, how, why why did you why did you do it?
2: Why did you start <laughs> this thing? that's that's a really uh, that's a great question. So I had a digital agency for uh, just about 13 years. and for the first seven of those years, Uh, I was great at what I did. I had, uh, you know, I knew how to build websites. I could pretty much code anything that I needed to or design what I needed. My, my partner the same. We, we grew up, we started coding and creating websites very young. Uh, and when we started our company, we really could build anything a client came to us for. Uh, but we were really frustrated with how the business was turning out about seven years in or so, you know, we had hired a couple of employees, got an office, kind of done what we thought. You were supposed to do with the business, but we were missing something because we never had any money in our bank accounts We were always stressed I um, <laughs> always felt like we were, you know a day away from going out of business and uh, we really hit this kind of uh, this low point um, And it was at that moment where I really realized that we had just been trying to go it alone and we just weren't um, Connected to the right people to teach us how to to run a business like this. We had great technical in design skills, we just lacked the business skills, and so we kind of went on this multi-year journey of hiring a ton of consultants, probably paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in consulting fees, training programs, accelerators, uh, entrepreneur groups, and uh, really turned the business around, and um, actually was able to, to get it profitable. Um, we, we grew the business to about 14 people, had over 300 clients under active management, and then that business got acquired in 2012, and we had... About the last two years of running the agency, I I had started blogging about some of the things that we were doing inside of our agency. I'd read a 37 Signals book about um, packaging your exhaust, right? Having things that are coming out of your business that maybe aren't benefiting your direct clients, but other people in the marketplace might find them interesting. So I was blogging. And I started getting these thank you letters of like, you know, thank you so much for the things that you taught me. Like it's, you know, it's helped me get my time back so I can spend it, you know, my daughter's soccer games or, hey, you know, because of you, I took the first vacation that I'd ever been able to take in 10 years of running my business. Uh, and after a while, you get enough of those letters, you kind of go, hey, maybe there's something here. So so we um, we really thought about what we wanted over, you know, we have been running our business for about 13 years. And had thought about, you know, what do we want over the next decade of our entrepreneurial journey? And so my business partner and I, you know, thought long and hard about that. And we decided that instead of you know kind of operating this client services agency and a training company simultaneously that we thought hey let's just go and pursue this um this training company full time so we started that business you gurus uh, in 2012 we're coming right up November 1st will be our 5 year anniversary in business and we're really excited about that so uh,
0: just taking a few little points out of there you, you you've basically been um, for the majority of your time you've been successful at, but yet um not necessarily feeling that you were successful, and there's 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 also been times where economically not so successful. So it's been a bit of an up and down road along the way. So um, during the course of the last twelve years or so, you've you've had you know a, a large amount of success. It's gone um, from strength to strength, and yet you've decided to start this completely different company. Did you sell your web design business um, because you were fed up with that? Or did it just kind of evolve to the point where you'd written enough blog posts, there was enough interest that you thought, actually, I'm just going to flip over because this looks like something I really want to do much more. I'm fed up with doing that now, so I'm going to to go and do this instead.
2: You know, I um, I definitely wasn't fed up with it. I think uh, I always tell people that I got my my first uh, unofficial master's in business uh, owning the the web agency, web and marketing agency, Hot Press Web, because you know I got the opportunity to to pitch our services and our agencies to you know over a thousand. Different businesses. That means I was, you know, I got to go into you know the the smallest kitchens of startups uh, to these big uh, Fortune 500 publicly traded company, you know, conference room type of environments uh, from from companies like Dish, Anheuser-Busch, Adobe, uh, and stuff like that. And and so I I learned a lot about other people's businesses and, and what makes. People, money, and and how people operate nonprofits, and you know all, all sorts of stuff. And I, I love that work. I love client services, um, but um, you know it's it's one of those things that after you help hundreds mm-hmm. of businesses, you know, build their business. Right. Um, there was there was definitely a time where we we're like, well, what if we just, you know, created our own thing? Now, our, my, my, my blogging about running our agency actually did before we sold our agency did turn into a revenue generating training product. So it wasn't like we were thinking to ourselves, hey, this is something that we could make money. Okay. I mean, we yep. were we were making, uh, you know, well into the six figures with our training product line. Um, and so it was kind of like a thing that was, you know, it had legs. It had some some momentum behind it. But our agency was also a a, a very profitable, well-run business, and I found myself in this position where I was really kind of riding two horses at the same time. Uh, I was trying to yep. build this agency at the same time trying to build this training company. And the customer bases were very, very different. And I'm sure there are entrepreneurs out there that can you know, ride two horses at the same time. Uh, but I just found myself in a position where I, if I really wanted to accomplish what I wanted for um, other digital agency owners in that space, if I really wanted to see the impact that we could have on the world with that part of the business, I, I felt like I needed to give it my full attention, uh, and, and part of that too was just that, you know, after building websites and doing marketing for other companies, after a while, like I'm not going to say I got tired of it. I think it was really, you know, it's always new and interesting work and always challenging. Um, But I think for me, I just I kind of found my calling and a lot of that, again, came back from from those uh, those individual like letters and emails and and these things that I I was just getting this feedback from the marketplace that I couldn't ignore.
0: Yeah, you've kind of preempted my next question, really, which was, you know, if um, if everything was to fall apart today for some unknown reason, you were suddenly to find yourself um, uh, needing to begin again. Would you would you head down the educational route um, or would you go back to? Web development, do you think, and all of that?
2: Hmm. I mean, I would still definitely be doing like what we're doing right now. I mean, yeah. without a doubt. I, yeah. I think we. Um, it's it's been such an incredible journey, and the companies that we've had the privilege of meeting and empowering. And, um, you know, the impact that we've had in the world, like, you know, we used to have a lot of impact through our clients, businesses, and that was really cool. And now we kind of have this other layer on top of that, where we get to help inspire and challenge and influence these digital agency owners who are then in turn working with, you know, hundreds or thousands of additional companies. And, um, and, and I see those, you know, that is like true leverage in the, in the marketplace of, of creating impact. Like one of our, our graduates of our program, you know, he didn't think, uh, this, this guy's name's William, and he didn't think that, um, you know, anybody was. Paying for more than four or five thousand dollars for a website, right? So he goes through our program, graduates, lands a seventy-six thousand dollars app development project um, right after he <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> graduates. And um, but the the app that he built, his clients because of the discovery process that we taught him, ended up helping that that client that he worked with generate over four million dollars in revenue for their business. So yeah, it's great that he got paid seventy-six grand, but like the yeah, whole story, yeah. you have to mm-hmm. have the full thought, like you know, he created an amazing impact for his client. He deserved to get paid that much, deserved to maybe even get paid more. Um, and so, so for us seeing that kind of, um, you know, that, that ripple effect where we have an impact on one agency and they're working with 20 or 30 or 40 clients a year and they're able to use our methods through that, like it's just been a very uh, rewarding and empowering experience for us. You, um, you mentioned earlier that you, your sort of
0: sweet spot is kind of people from 1 to 10, um, a business from 1 to 10 people. I mean, I work by myself largely, um, but I certainly know an awful lot of people who are in that area of 1 to 10. Do you, do you cater primarily for people who, um, to put it mildly, are not succeeding or is there scope for you know? Because if you've got ten employees and you're managing to pay the salaries, on some level, you're
2: succeeding. Whatever, whatever. Anybody else <laughs> you, says. You, you would you would be surprised, right? I mean, trust well, that, that's I mean. my question
0: is is there a is there a part of your program which tightens up even a mod, modestly successful business and kind of you know hone it and shape it and make it into something even more um, super super refined, if you like.
2: Yeah, so I mean, so our boot camp, when we uh, first launched, it was called 10K Boot Camp. And the whole purpose of it is to help people break through this $10,000 project barrier. And we we initially in our boot camp, uh, you know, longer term, we kind of start opening up to some other parts of your business. But we really look at like your individual deals, because we find that that's something that people can focus on. They, they're, they're experiencing it day in, day out of their business. It's not some like pie in the sky, crazy, weird theory stuff. It's like, hey, you just got an opportunity. Somebody knocked on your door, sent you an email. Called you on the phone and said hey, I want you to do a project for me. What happens next? Are you are you doing the right things? Are you following the right process? Are you positioning yourself? Well, so that you can um, not only get uh, High value and high pay from the project, but you can deliver the right solution for your clients So there's a lot of businesses. Um, I call them my sleeping giants. They're people that come into our program They really want to grow their business. They maybe aren't like totally um, failing, but they're they're just kind of like keeping their head barely above water. They're they're maybe making enough money to pay all their bills, but they're not really making enough money to achieve what they want in their life, but they have the right skills and they have the right experience. Like they've been doing this for a while. When those folks come into our program, we can make just, I call them three degree changes. Just these tiny adjustments to maybe four or five different areas of their process and combine together. They can sometimes have hundreds of percents of impact. Um, there was one of our our grads, Katie, who came into our program a couple of years ago, and she was kind of like you know three person business doing about a quarter million dollars a year, but she wasn't profitable. She wasn't taking home money out of the business. Maybe she was making enough money to like you know pay herself a little bit and pay her team, but there was nothing left over. And some months. Uh, actually, she was forking over her savings in order to keep the business open. Like first month after, you know, in in program in bootcamp, um, she increases her revenue by about seventy five percent by literally just changing how she started selling, right? How she approached her clients that were already coming to her. Nothing crazy with lead generation, no crazy like Facebook voodoo or whatever. We just changed the words and the conversation and the process that she used with people that were already knocking on her door. It goes from selling you know, 20K worth of projects in a month. I think that the next month into bootcamp, she was doing 35 or 40K. By the uh, time she graduates, she's averaging about $40,000 a month. And then we looked at other parts of her business where she was maybe paying too much for certain things, helped her pull those expenses down. By the time she graduated, she was doing over 50K a month and she was spending uh, less to run her business than she was when she started. Now, fast forward Uh to this year and she's continued that momentum same team size. She's doing about 700k in revenue this year Um, Probably 75% of that's margin, right? So we look at a a lot of different areas within the business to make those adjustments and make sure that you're doing You know following the right process and and look so when I was running my agency my processes were like (laughs) They were very trial and error. It was kind of what I thought you should be doing nobody that ran a successful agency ever sat me down and said here's the model
0: No, most of us just began didn't we we just sat down and decided we were going to do this for a living and and it just evolved via trial and error so
2: yeah i mean somebody will be like hey you know give me a proposal (laughs) you're like uh okay okay (laughs) it's a piece of paper with words (laughs) proposal right i mean i i literally you know this was when we started our business it was it was pre-google so like literally my first proposal was i think it was it was it was like my life story. I was like, this is why you should hire me, you know, five page, you know, here's my <laughs> life. story, right? And just like, totally not did totally didn't get the deal. But, um, so there's just these things that, um, you know, I p- ended up paying, you know, consultants in, in the six figures to help me create and refine my process over thousands, you know, over a thousand deals pursued. But then over the last five years, we've taken that process and we've applied that to, um, thousands of other companies and then work with them to see like hey how do we refine this even further to make this stuff work really really well. So um,
0: I'm just going to interrupt there if that's alright yeah. because you keep you keep um, referring to we um, and you talk about we do this and we do that now my, the, the thing that I see all over the internet um, is training courses where essentially you, you, you buy into a, a heap of videos you might get some um, materials um, written on a, in a PDF and what have you are you saying specifically that you actually delve into the particulars of their business? Um, it's not like you, you let you, you give them the materials and then say, right from here, figure out how to implement it in your business. Do, do you actually get on the phone with these people and explore their processes and work through it with them on a more or less one-to-one basis? How does that actually work?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, uh, Nathan. And um so, so I, we, we, when we started YouGurus, the first products that we created were video courses. Um, you could go to our website, you could buy our web design sales kit for a couple hundred bucks and you know, watch videos and comment and interact with me uh, on chat. And um, after doing that for about um, a year and a half or so, and, and we sold several thousand copies of, of that program and we had created a couple of other programs that were pretty successful too, um, I started calling a lot of those agencies that had bought our program. And, um, I found, you know, the, the results were mixed, right? I mean, everybody was very happy with the purchase, uh, but the, the, the courses, right? Video courses, um, I mean, it's pretty well known out there. I think Harvard did a study of like online, massive online courses and, you know, something like 9% in the massive online course space. What we found was more around 9% completion, right? Like single digit. Whoa. (laughs) So what I found was with our customers, it was better than that. It was more like 25% or so had completed the course. Um, But then even out of the ones that had completed it, I really dug deep with them and I asked them like, what's going, you know, what are you doing in your business? How are you selling? And even if they had completed the program and gotten their ROI, gotten, you know, changed maybe some parts of their business, um, I didn't think, I personally didn't think that they had really implemented what... I really intended for them to implement. Yep. And I don't think I could have created you know, any more videos that would have gotten them there. It really came down to their mindset, how they were viewing the content, how they were applying certain parts of it versus other parts of it. And when I really dug into it with them and I just started like coaching some of these people like on the fly, like, hey, can I just do a call with you every week? I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to – I just want to like figure out where the gap is between – what you what I thought you were gonna learn in my program and and what you're actually doing in your business because it's, there's a huge gap there, huge opportunities. So I just started doing like this kind of pro bono coaching with these customers that had bought our program and the impact that I had on them over just a couple of months, like three months was like insane. I mean, people were going from maybe, you know, they were selling four or $5,000 projects to 50 to $75,000 projects. They were hiring team members, they were delegating the work that they didn't want to do. And the, the acceleration of their business through that personal accountability, and having a mentor really get to know their story, their unique situation, their why, and figure it out with them on the fly. Like that was the impact that I really wanted to have. So we shifted course. Instead of creating more video courses, we basically said, "Look, we're going to do things where it's it's small group and one on one based. It's going to be a mixture, okay. and we're going to leverage a video course, you know, video course material. Some of the things that we know we just need to teach somebody, but then we're going to really help them to take action and make shifts in their business business and push them outside of their comfort zone." Uh, I've consumed a lot of video courses in my day. It's rare that a video course by itself pushes you outside of your comfort zone. When you have somebody that's coaching or consulting with you on top of that, that's like the magic sauce that I've just found. Like the, the even for myself personally, like I'll buy a course and then I'll immediately hire whoever you know built the course to really help me do it, right? And that's always where I see the 10x return on those types of things. Um, and so we built our program based on that. So it's not you know there's other video courses and stuff like that in the marketplace that you know might seem like a big investment. Our program is going to probably be even more than that. But the deal is, you know, we're really going to work hard to make sure that you're getting those results in your business and you're getting those results very quickly.
0: So I could expect if I was on this course, I could expect to speak to somebody, um, just, just me and maybe a couple of others and get answers to very specific questions um, if, if I had them. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's that is a real differentiator. Yeah, yeah. Um, you um, you, you have this thing called U Academy and U Summit. Is is that an example of of that in the real world? You know, you get people in the same room in the same city and talk things through. What, what are those What are those things? What is, what is U Academy and U Summit?
2: So U Academy is, uh, and this is something that we're, we're kind of in the process of, of rolling out, but it's become our umbrella for all of our online and um, group-led training programs. That's like the campus, so to speak. And so we have our U Academy bootcamp. That's our 10-week uh, program where we really help you work on your overall strategy, your positioning, uh, what you're doing for lead generation, your sales process, and your overall project and operational process. 10-week bootcamp. Mentor led, just like you said. Literally, when you buy, uh, when you make that investment, um, we match you with a mentor. And within days of enrolling, you're having a one hour one on one call with your with your mentor before you even get assigned to a group. There's additional one on one calls during the program, but you're you're literally getting access to that mentor within days of of enrolling and they're going into some of those big issues that you're faced with and struggling with right now and then we start to kind of unlock the program curriculum and there's a whole choreography of things that go on for about 12 or so weeks Um, and then we have a a new program called U academy pro it's a 12 month program uh, for those people that are really um, that, that Go through boot camp and realize hey, um, you know, I this accountability, this mentorship, this, this active involvement in my business is something that's really helping me grow and push myself outside my comfort zone. Uh, works great for people that are in that kind of one to three or four person uh, stage. So if you're a solopreneur, and you need that accountability. You need that person that's maybe two or three levels above you to help you kind of pull you up to where they're at. Um, that's kind of our 12-month program. And then we have an elite version of that that's just kind of a lot more work sessions and one-on-one done-for-you stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our U Summit is our annual conference. And that's really been a, uh, a community thing. This year we opened it up so other folks can um, that are not currently in our community can uh, actually attend that and get a little bit of a taste of, of what we offer and in our annual conference. We bring in a, a heap of great speakers. Um, we've got some really amazing people this year like Ryan Dice, Ryan Levesque. Mm. Um, mm. uh, lots of people from our, our uh, you know, the general marketing and business uh, space, Brad Martineau, um, at Branding for the People. L- lots of awesome speakers, right? We've yeah. got I think 12 or so kind of keynotes. And then we also have time to like do some masterminding and work sessions at those Uh, those events so that's that's our annual conference
0: does um does this fit better with um the usa uh that is to say if i was living in australia or um the united kingdom or wherever does your program fit time zones you know do these people do you have people dotted around the world or or are they willing to to be on the phone with me um during those uncomfortable times of the day when you're (laughs) asleep and i'm awake kind of thing
2: so we um our small group is really where the time is, you know, kind of locked and, and people get to, they get some influence in when they they're, what their time preference is. So if there is a, a a time that works better for somebody or time zone, usually we're every month when we launch a new boot camp, we're we're offering a couple of different times time spots for um, for groups. So the UK um, we're always running morning groups. Like that's usually our most popular, like a 9 a.m. Mountain Time, which is is you know usually afternoon to yep. early evening in, in yep. the UK, and Europe, and then Australia. Um, we have an Aussie mentor, but we, usually we basically do uh, maybe a 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. Mountain Time group, and that's kind of where our um, our Australia, New Zealand folks, and some other time zones will will usually do. It's kind of first thing in the morning for them. Yeah, um, we have had a couple of people though that, uh, you know, just because of, of availability and, and they requested a specific mentor and, and they just commit and they're, you know, they're waking up at 4am or something for the group. But <laughs> yeah. th- for the most part, I mean, there is that component of it, but we launch a new bootcamp, uh, every month, a new cohort. And so we'll have anywhere from two to five groups kicking off every month for that program. And, and then, you know, depending on where your time zone is, if, if some, if there is a hard constraint, sometimes it just means we bump somebody to the next month and, yep. and they're yep. waiting a little bit longer and, sometimes we'll, we'll grease the wheels and give them a little bit more one-on-one coaching uh while they're waiting just so we can be making sure to get them that quick ROI.
0: Um you talked about commit there um people that commit is is there a if you could describe the perfect uh, customer of yours um what would what would be the things that that would um, that would excite you when somebody came to you is it somebody with a with a failing business or a successful business is it somebody who um, I don't know is willing to share more or talks a lot or um, Mm. or is it somebody who's you know good with banking or what what is that what is the, the the best client that you
2: can have coming to you so I mean failing business which you know there's all kinds of businesses that are quote unquote failing or succeeding. And, and look, I mean, I think if somebody is under duress and they are, this is like their last uh, ditch effort. And I'm not going to say that we haven't had people that, you know, were in that situation mm. went through program and became successful. But I mean, that is hard, right? Because they're essentially looking at us as their last chance. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure on us and it also sometimes makes them um, Want to rush the process cut mm-hmm. corners mm-hmm. and those are the types of things that you know When, when that happens and, and we don't become aware that they're doing that and then they come back to this and they say This is not working and then we're going okay Well, what what did you do? And they're like, well, I did this but I didn't do this because I didn't have time and then you're like Well, yeah, <clears throat> <laughs> that was you know, right? So so that's that's one thing I mean, I think if you're in a position where you're you know, you're staying afloat you want to grow the business you're growing growth minded, you're probably experiencing some pain, we call it the stressed with success business. Um, that's, you know, maybe a little bit successful, but at the same time, they they have some problems in their business that that if not resolved, shortly um could lead to some serious problems um there's also people that are you know that maybe have a solo practice that they're not sure how to grow it bigger than themselves and so those people are also uh, a great fit when they're they're kind of you know uh breaking even or they're doing okay by themselves maybe they're doing you know high five figures or they're scratching at the six figures and they're they're looking for that quarter of a million dollar half a million dollar business those are great fits for us i call those my sleeping giants
0: Um, (laughs) nice
2: and then um uh, in terms of like in program, you know, we ask people like, are you coachable, right? Um, are you willing to follow the recipe before you start innovating? And and this is a really important part of the process is that you have to trust the process. You have to say, look, I'm willing to do this at least a few times exactly how you tell me to. Um, those are the great people where they yep. just they follow the process. Yep. They do it. They trust the mentor. They they continue to to interact with their mentor, share openly about what's going on so that we can make adjustments and tweaks along the way. Those folks do great. The people People that go through the course and go, yeah, I already know all this, right? But they're not applying it. <laughs> They don't actually recognizing that even though they quote unquote know it, they're not doing it and that they resist actually following somebody else's process. Now, I don't know if it's like ego or pride and like I've been there before. Um, but sometimes that those folks are the hardest to reach mm-hmm. because they, you know, they, they feel like knowing something is the same thing as actually doing it. And so you have to, you know, you have to really like, you know, that they kind of become our, uh, our squeaky wheels that probably we get a little bit more attention than, than I would like. But, um, you know, we do look at every person in our program with, you know, under, under a microscope and we want to make sure that everybody is successful and they get what they want out of the program. Um, those, those sometimes just happen to be the harder folks and the feedback we get usually is, is at one point we'll eventually get through to them maybe it's in week seven week eight and then the comment that we always get for them is you know gosh i wish i would have just followed your instructions sooner because <laughs> yeah. you know it could have saved me a lot of a lot of pain and heart you know so the, ones, the ones that it, crush it over they just come out of the gate doing exactly what we say.
0: It's kind of like driving a car or something, you know, you get in the you get you get in the car, you can't drive it. You've got no idea what the gear stick does or anything like that and you listen to the to the person opposite and they teach you the process because they've done it before. Um, and with with business, there, there's there's a right way to do it. It might not be your way, and it you know. But but I, I completely get what you're saying, you know. And a malleable person who's willing to to take it on board and do, basically do as they're told and be schooled, um, who's willing to sort of follow the process and at least give it a go, because you know uh, the people that you're that you're using as coaches, they've done this before, they've been there, they know what they're on about. So yeah. Um, listen, we're going to sort of call call a stop to today's um, episode, if you like. We're going to, but we're not finished because we're going to actually split this up into two parts. So we're going to find out a little bit more from Brent um, next week. So if you come back next week and listen to the podcast, uh, you'll find out some more. But uh, for this week, at least, anyway, thanks, Brett. Yeah, it's great.
2: Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate it.
0: Okay, so this is a new piece of the show that we've not tried before. We're going to call this the Ending Facts, and it might not be facts at all, but the idea is that at the end of the show, we give you uh, a very small, packaged up little bit of information that you can uh, take away, and it may be something that you know more about than we do, or it may be something you've never heard of before. But um, I'm going to hand over to David to do the first one of these, Ending Facts bit.
1: Yes, well, the first one is... Uh interruption marketing. So actually, we're going to take some terms that we don't know too well, so we can kind of learn something along the way. As, But I do know this one, because I did actually read the Seth Godin book called Permission Marketing, which is where this term comes from. Have you heard of it, Nathan? Well, no, not really. But... Looking at what you've written, David's written
0: a few little notes to assist me mm-hmm. with all of this. Um, it, it makes sense. It's kind of a, a technique which I'm sure we're all aware of. But no, I've not heard of the, the phrase interruption marketing ever before.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's a phrase that's come about with the first talking, I don't know when uh, permission marketing came out, but it's uh, one of those books that's talking about the new changes in marketing from the old traditional ways to digital marketing. And th- this is his term, if you like, for traditional advertising. So TV, radio, billboards, all of these interrupt your day-to-day business. So, you know, a program is broken to show an advert on TV. And it's looking really, when we talk about that, we're looking at it in terms of what's new and great about digital marketing in the sense that we can now, with permission marketing, do the opposite. We, we let people um, decide to, to be informed about a particular thing rather than some generic sort of scattergun approach to advertising. So that's really all that this term's about. Um, quite interesting one, though, because there's a bit of a, a paradox in it because you kind of have to interrupt people to get them on board for permission marketing.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it seems it seems odd and, and also how do you actually gain that permission? Um yeah. is, is another yeah. interesting one, but yeah. Um With a pop-up. <laughs> yeah, well exactly, but then that's an interrupt, isn't it? Uh, yeah, exactly. So you can't you can't get the permission without the interruption as you say. Yeah, really interesting. So, yeah, interruption marketing um and permission marketing. You can obviously please drop your um Drop your comments in. The idea, I think, with this little section is that we'll talk about something, as I say, that we maybe know something about or maybe don't know something about. And if you want to just comment and educate us and educate the rest of the audience, that would be great. So, um, yeah, it'll be the end yeah. of the episode, David. We'll um, fade in the cheesy music and uh, and I'll say goodbye from me, Nathan Wrigley.
1: And it's goodbye from me, David Womsey. Bye. And I,
0: and I waved again. I actually did it. Oh god, stop doing (laughs) it. See you like (laughs) that.